I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. I'm Laura Foltz, and I was wondering, what is the Order of Odd Fellows? Who are they? What's their history? And are they still active today? How did you hear about this group, the Odd Fellows? I've just noticed signs, and I think there's a building in Towson that has their sign, maybe one in Kingsville also. And it was just, you know, it's an intriguing name, and I didn't know anything else about them. Well, I'm going to do my best to figure out what this uh, Order of the Odd Fellows is all about. Wish me luck. Okay, sounds good. So we're going to start our mystery here on uh, South Broadway Street in between Baltimore Street and Fayette. And uh, in the median on this street is a big monument that dates 1834. And on it, it says, We command you to visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan. And here's this insignia with an all-seeing eye and the name Thomas Wildey. Have you ever heard of this guy, Thomas Wildey? Never. Will you tell me your first name? Oh, Melody. Melody. I'm Aaron. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, nice Aaron. to meet you, Melody. Nice to meet you. You live around the neighborhood? Yes, I do. You walk by this uh, monument? Every day. <laughs> Look at this plaque. It says, Grand Lodge of the United States of the Independent Order of Oddfellows. Have you ever heard of the Independent Order of Oddfellows? I haven't. <laughs> I think, uh, I believe Maryland and Baltimore have so much history that we don't know. Indeed. So, listener Laura, you are not alone. Even folks who walk by this monument every day have no idea what the Oddfellows are all about or who this guy Thomas Wildey is. Turns out he was the man who started up the Independent Order of Oddfellows in the U.S., and he did it right here in Baltimore. Back in 1819, not long after the War of 1812, Thomas Wildey, who was an Oddfellow in England, uh, he came to America and... uh, He found it kind of hard to find friends with a British accent. They uh, were not too friendly of the British shortly after the War of 1812. He put an ad in the local paper and found a couple other members, uh, four other people, and they started Oddfellows at the Seven Stars Tavern on Boston Street. This is Jeff Teat. He takes a special interest in this hidden chapter of local history because he's... Well, he's one of the bearers of the Oddfellows torch today. I am the deputy grandmaster for the state of Maryland for the Independent Order of Oddfellows. I met Jeff at the Oddfellows Grand Lodge of Maryland. That's the headquarters that oversees daily operations of 17 lodges across the state. And we're in beautiful downtown Dundalk, Maryland on North Point Boulevard. The Grand Lodge is a beautiful building. It used to be a roller rink. But it's been renovated to house administrative offices, a museum of Odd Fellows memorabilia, and a grand meeting hall. We're going to get a tour through the space in a minute. But first, back to this founder, Thomas Wildey. You heard Jeff say Wildey was from England. He'd been part of an Odd Fellows predecessor group there called the Manchester Unity. They started just as a group of friends who got together under a common bond and would put resources together that if one of them got hurt or uh, passed away, that they would promise to take care of their wives and take care of their their children. In fact, our our moniker is to educate the orphan, relieve the distress, bury the dead. In other words, the members in this group created their own DIY social security pool at a time when formal insurance programs didn't even exist. 
if you were a farmer and you broke your leg and you couldn't farm your field or or you passed away, we or we took a an oath to to take care of your widow and to take care of your children and ed- to help educate them and help them become. Uh, we also had many orphanages uh, that we would put kids in and help raise them because back in the day, men's mortality rate was certainly higher than women's because we went out and did the majority of work. And back then, work was dangerous, as much more dangerous than it is today. Other fraternal organizations, they all have their names. The Masons, they were all Masons. What? How is it that the Odd Fellows came to be called the Odd Fellows? Any idea? Uh, one of the stories I've heard is that the, the nobility over in England found it odd that someone would give away money that they weren't forced to give away through taxes. So we, we took that on as a claim to fame that we're odd. We also, we you don't have to be anything to join us. You just have to be someone, believe in a higher power, and believe in the betterment of mankind. These days, the Odd Fellows pool their funds not just to help each other, but to contribute to larger charitable causes. And they do all of this very quietly. Low-key and low-profile seems to be their M.O. Chances are you've passed right by an Odd Fellows Lodge and not even known what it was. You might just see a mysterious sign with three interlinking rings and the letters F, L, and T. The first ring is for friendship. A lot of times you'll see a little F in there. Uh, the middle ring is for love, and it has uh, a little L in there. And the final ring is a T for truth. And that was how, when you were driving in these little towns, you would see that on the front of the building and know that's a lodge. So if you need to find a friend somewhere, you could go find them. At the Grand Lodge in Dundalk, there is an in-house museum called the Heritage Room. It's full of portraits and glass display cases of Oddfellows artifacts from the past 200 years. Everything in here is embroidered or engraved with cryptic images like swords and hourglasses and scales and arrows. What are we looking at here? There's so many fascinating symbols associated with the Oddfellows. So we use a lot of symbols. Uh, one of the things we use is the skull and crossbones. Some people get that uh, misconstrued with uh, devil worshiping and things of that nature. But that just shows that we, uh, while we're here young and healthy, uh, death is upon us. No one's ever escaped death in life. So, uh, And other symbols, some things that I really uh, can't talk about. But uh, you'll see one down there. It's a hand with a heart in it. Always don't wear your heart on your sleeve. Wear it in your hand. And have that open hand of friendship come out. And uh, we have the Ark of the Covenant because we are uh, religious-based. And um, this bundle of sticks, I can tell you that if you take a, one stick, you could break it very easily. But if you put 20 sticks together, you can't break it. And that's how we kind of feel. You know, you could break down as an individual, but if you've got a group surrounding you, it's very hard to break in. We'll support you. These robes are fascinating. They're rich, deep colors. They're velour. They're hand-embroidered. I mean, they look like they look like wizard robes from some kind of uh, other realm or something. It's, it's incredible. It is. That is what we used to wear back in the day. And those are all hand, that's all hand embroidered. There's no machinery work done to that. And uh, the Masons, which is kind of like a brother fraternity of ours, they still wear that, but we, we have gotten a little more relaxed. Yeah, you've got a, a nice sort of standard polo shirt here with the Odd Fellows logo. I guess you've, that's a little sort of the modern version of that. Correct, correct. Why all the secrecy and ceremony? Talk about what's special about having that as, as part of the experience. So part of the secrecy was uh, if you joined our organization, we take care of you. And some people didn't want to join. Um, and if you didn't join, not to be rude, but we 
we had limited resources and we only took care we took care of our own and it was the again the social security of the day and we we tried to treat it like the the pyramid where we had many people contributing and very few people needing it and if people found out that you didn't have to contribute but come and and get the resources that pyramid would turn upside down and then it flops over and it's 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 done when it does that kind of sounds like social security today when an organization has an air of secrecy Whatever the reason for that secrecy, however unglamorous that secrecy might actually be, people's imaginations can run wild, right? Like, what are some of the theories you've heard about the Odd Fellows and, and what people think it's all about? Well, first, first of all, part of the reason for our secrecy is uh, we, we believe a good deed done for notoriety is not really a good deed. Even me sitting here talking today about some of the things we've done used to be against our code. Uh, I have had people accuse me of being, not accuse me, but uh, suggest that we're part of a, a cult, we're Satanist, uh, oh, anything. When, when, when you don't know, it could be anything in the world, and it's very, very strange. But, you know, our secrecy, again, was to protect our resources. Uh, it used to be if you, let's say I was traveling in California and I saw an Oddfellows Lodge, and I had special phrases that I could go up to let them know that I'm a member and I need help. And they would probably help you out anyway, but not to the degree that they would help out a true member. How does someone become an odd fellow? Like, like if I wandered in the door and said, hey, I'm, I want to get involved. Like, how do you decide who you let into the fold? Well, we ask that you be of good moral character. So uh, most people who join are friends of friends and it's people that we know. We do accept if you came to the door and said you wanted to join, we'd come in, we'd sit and talk, much like we're talking now, find out a little bit about you. There's an application process. It's just a small application, tells who you are, where you were born. Uh, we might run a judiciary case search on you, not a background check like through NCIS, but we'll just check local internet sources to make sure you're of good moral character, and then uh, we'll find a local lodge for you to join and uh, get you started in the process. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. After the break, the room where it happens. We'll get a peek inside the Oddfellows meeting room at the Grand Lodge. And we'll meet Jeff's wife, Laura, who goes by another title around here. I am the Grand Secretary for the Grand Lodge of Maryland. More in a moment. When I was at the Oddfellows Grand Lodge of Maryland, one thing I did not expect to be allowed to see was the inner sanctum, the chamber where the lodge meetings and ceremonies actually happen. But Jeff Teat walked me down a hall, opened a door, and said, come on in and have a look. There is an air of gravitas and ceremony just to walk into this room. I mean, you have meeting chairs out, but along the walls are these, I have to call them thrones. Um with, uh, you know, elaborate awnings behind them. I guess you have certain assigned seats depending on your station in the, in the organization. Correct. The noble grand, uh, the grand master will preside over the meeting there, uh, the deputy grand master to his side. Uh, over here we'll have the grand warden, who's basically third in charge. That one over there is the past grand master, so he has a seat that's a little more comfortable and ready to watch over and give advice if needed. Tell me what you can about just sort of how 
an average meeting of the Odd Fellows would proceed. Well, if anyone knows anything about meetings, they run just like any other meeting. You open up with uh, the pledge and a prayer, and then we uh, go over the roll call of officers. We um, go over old business, new business, and then what's called good of the order. Uh, one of the most important things we do is we do sick and distressed, and we we ask who's who's sick and who's not doing well and who needs some help, be it uh, morally or financially or, or or spiritually, that we try to help them out. My understanding is that there was like a golden era of fraternal organizations, maybe in the early 20th century, and the Odd Fellows were huge, like bigger than the Masons. We, we were bigger than the Masons at one time. Uh, over, I, I want to say in Maryland, we had over 600,000 members. You got to think every little town had a lodge because it was the social network of the day. So you would go to lodge meeting, find out what's going on in your local community, find out who's doing what. Uh, you know, if someone needed a barn built and someone else knew a barn builder, they would introduce them, them two together and get things done. It's it's kind of like going on Facebook today going, hey, I need a good mechanic. And someone says, oh, I know a good mechanic. So it was the Facebook of the day. How many odd fellows would you say there are currently in Maryland? Uh, only about 450. Uh, most social and fraternal organizations are are dying off because of um, Facebook and such. And I, I use Facebook, but I still got to get out there and try to help my fellow man and help better better mankind and, and do what I can. And I can't do that from Facebook. I, I try to do it in, in person. Jeff, tell me more about your story, about how you came into the fold of becoming an odd fellow. Sure. Uh, I'm a magician and balloon artist by trade, and a local lodge in Aberdeen hired me for a Christmas party, and I went and did that, and I started seeing some of the symbols, and much like you, Aaron, I just started asking questions, and it seemed like a good organization to belong to, so I joined in 2004. Uh, I moved from Aberdeen to a lodge in Bel Air that was dying off because some of the members were older. Uh, We revived that lodge and um, got it up and running, and just touch on what we do in Bel Air, some of our local uh, things that we do. We do wreaths across America. We actually sponsor a graveyard in Havity Grace. It has 750 veterans. And one of the things we do is raise funds to buy wreaths so every veteran is honored. Uh, I'm also a veteran, and my, my father was a veteran. We also, one of our projects is called Warm for the Weary, and we put together bags for homeless people, and it have a blanket, a hat, some socks, gloves, some snacks, water bottle toothbrushes and toothpaste so people who even though they're homeless we can help relieve some of their distress so back when jeff first joined the odd fellows he'd catch a ride to the meetings from his wife laura then i would leave jeff would stay for the meeting i'd come back and pick him up so after about two three years of this i decided you know this is an organization i see what they're doing in their communities what they're doing for their members it's a great opportunity to put back into my community with the local organization so i joined that lodge after a few years i became their first female noble grand i was the first female member of that lodge Um, after a few years there there were some struggling lodges in our local area that i decided i was going to transfer my membership to help the struggling lodge i transferred there had the honor of being the first female member of that lodge and the first female noble grand of that lodge quick sidebar here to remember that the independent order of odd fellows is an old group they've been around in the u.s since the early 1800s half a century before the civil war suffice it to say they've had to do some reckoning and change with the times the group finally dropped the whites-only clause from its constitution in 1971. 
and they finally voted to allow women to join the Odd Fellows in 2001. There was an unaffiliated black organization called the Grand United Order of Odd Fellows in America that started in 1843. And in 1851, the Odd Fellows did create a branch of its organization called the Daughters of Rebecca, which was the first national fraternity to accept both men and women. The Rebeccas actually started allowing the men to join their division earlier than the men allowed the women to join theirs. Many of our Rebeccas transferred to Odd Fellows, but a fair amount of our Rebeccas stayed fasted to Rebeccas and did not ever join the Odd Fellows, but they do as much, if not more, for the Odd Fellow Lodges than some of the Odd Fellows themselves do. As Grand Secretary of Maryland's Independent Order of Odd Fellows, Laura has first-hand knowledge of how its financial model works. She says her fellow members are genuinely in it for what they can do for the community not what they can get out of it. I think pretty much every odd fellow in our order at one point or the other has been on both sides of the coin. Some are too proud to ask for the help, but we see it and we offer it. Um, Whether it be our jurisdiction or others, when the hurricanes came through, we reached out to Louisiana, when the floods came through. You know, if we hear of a disaster in another jurisdiction, we reach out to that jurisdiction. What can we do for your jurisdiction? Because their Grand Lodge may be suffering. They can't offer the support. So we reach out for it. And the same thing in turn, you know, when COVID first hit the East Coast pretty hard with the Omicron, we got calls from other jurisdictions. How are you guys doing? Do you need anything? You know, is there anything we can do? We're, we're good. We can do for you what you need done. How do you think being part of the Union of Odd Fellows has changed you as a person? It's given us more time. It's made both of us realize the community's needs, what we Things we didn't realize that we were able to do for the community, just little things, you know, bring in a hat, a scarf, and a glove to give to a homeless person. Just that, you know, it's brought us together closer. It's changed me because I am now more grateful for the little things in life. I see a lot of distress out there, and it's just, I try to be more grateful every day and try to remind myself that I'm grateful. Just yesterday, I'm driving through Pennsylvania. I just saw the beauty in the world and there's a lot of beauty out there and the the negativity is small but there is a lot of people out there in distress that just need just need help sometimes it takes more of our time apart from each other just because of him going one direction me going another direction for meetings and things such as that but then when we come home we don't just sit in front of the tv we talk about what happened at the meeting we talk about you know the plans of this lodge or the plans of that lodge what our goals are to do next year within our lodges within the order as a whole so you know it's definitely a conversation and you know it's something that we're proud of laura and jeff teat Grand Secretary and Deputy Grand Master at the Independent Order of Odd Fellows Grand Lodge of Maryland in Dundalk. You can find the group online at MarylandOddFellows.org. Back now to our listener, Laura, who asked this week's question. Laura, you wanted to know who the Odd Fellows were and what they were all about. They pulled back the curtain for us uh, as much as they were allowed. What are you left thinking here at the end of this episode? super interesting, you know, that they're as old as they are, and I I really appreciate the quiet altruism that they practice, but I guess that doesn't help much in, you know, promoting who they are. Right? There's a little uh, irony in that they can't really, you can't recruit when you're so secretive. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I definitely want to go and 
find the monument that you were able to find downtown and see what that looks like. Um, and the symbolism, I was curious to find out more about the symbols that he couldn't give any more detail on. Um, but I guess I would have to become a member to <laughs> get more insight. On yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my understanding is that, you know, and once you do become a member, you're a member initiate. And so they slowly reveal secrets depending on how long you're in the organization uh, before you okay. more and more is revealed to you. Are yeah. you, um, are you feeling tempted at this point to, uh, apply to become an odd fellow now? I am not, <laughs> um, I'm not one for, uh, religious organizations, but I'm glad that they do good work and, glad that they've moved with the times, albeit a little late Yeah, <laughs> of women. Or, um, but good to know there are people out there doing good work and doing it for the right reasons and not the, the notoriety. Well, it was a fascinating question. I, uh, I appreciate you for that. Thanks for uh, sending me out on that adventure. I learned a lot. Well, sure. I appreciate you doing it very much. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, an original production of WYPR in Baltimore. Got a question of your own? You can put me to work at wypr.org slash curiosity. And where we go next is up to you. And uh, hey, if you like the show, do me a favor and drop a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. Just a line or two. Your words really do help other curious listeners find out about the show. Appreciate you. For the Maryland Curiosity Bureau, I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org. <laughs>